When was the first published reference to a video call? And who has won more Academy Awards than anyone else? Answers to those and other questions coming up in this edition of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and enjoy life with some trivia. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. And we've got some good questions for you today. They'll be the judge of that. Well, yes, they, they will, oh, but okay. okay. Just saying. You've got to sell it, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's me, a salesman. Yeah. <laughs> Movies, we love them, don't we, Bob? Mm -hmm. And you even participate in the Screen Actors Guild award show, don't that's you? That's right, yes. And we get a lot of free movies because uh, of that. Yes, because I love it. that's right. It's that's cool. That's our film festival. <laughs> yes. That's just from being in the Screen Actors Guild uh, union. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats. Now you've given away our secret. Now we're going to have people here all the time <laughs> in January. We do get popular in January yeah. for a brief moment in time, and then everyone that's forgets it. us. They're okay. Gone. All right. So the question is, Bob, who has won the most Oscars ever in their lifetime? So it's not an actor. It's not an actor in their lifetime. I thought it was the Walt Disney Studios. I thought that they won more awards over time than anyone else. Well, what's the answer, Marsh? Well, you were verging on right, but the answer is a person, not a studio or anything. It was Walt Disney. Oh, it was Walt Disney. Yes. Okay, well, there's a technicality. Well, no. He won him. He won 26 Academy Awards, 26, between the years 1932 and 1969. I'll uh, bet you know the 1932 one. Uh, I think that was for one of his uh, early animated cartoons with music. Yeah. Huh? Uh, the Silly Symphonies. And the answer, I think, was Flowers and Trees. Well, bravo, Bubby. <laughs> but do you know the last one? No. 1969. He died in 68, but yeah. this movie was done and up, and so he won the Academy Award for Oh, I bet it, it was, uh, no, I was thinking of Mary Poppins, but that no. wouldn't have been then. What was it? No. It was Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day. Oh, another another animated film. Yeah. All yep. right. 26 Academy Awards. Go, Walt. All right. We're well, he certainly fans. deserved them. Oh, he does. Okay, Marcia, with COVID, we take a lot of video calls. A lot of people are using video calls these days, be they Zoom calls, Skype calls, or Microsoft Teams calls. We take them for granted. We're getting used to seeing the people we talk to on a screen. But when was the first printed description of a video call? I'll bet it's really, oh, I bet it's like George Orwell or something. Well, tell me the answer. George Orwell. No. <laughs> it's even before him. I'm going to read you this description, and you tell me when this was published, okay? Before very long, when the telephone call comes, there will appear with it the face of the person who is talking. Now, they claimed it would make it unnecessary for many people to travel to and from work at all. <laughs> wow. How about that? Wow. When was that published? That was a prediction. Tell me, give me a year. Okay, I'll say 1940. 1912. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that it? amazing? Yeah. That was in Cassier's Magazine, which was an engineering journal. Oh, I used to read that. No, you read Collier's. <laughs> <laughs> Another question on videos, okay, in uh -huh. pop culture. When did the movies first feature video phone calls? Oh, I bet you that was a some kind of futuristic movie back in those goofy black and white uh, so far, space so good. kind of yeah, movies. Yeah, okay, but, and uh, so tell me. 
It was a silent movie. Yeah. 1925. Yeah. Movie called Up the Ladder. It was about the fictitious video phone inventor who was cheating on his wife with her best friend. Well, one day, his wife called her best friend on what was called a television phone. Really? And guess what? What? Her husband was there. <laughs> he raced out of the frame, but he sat near a mirror, which accidentally showed him on screen, exposing the affair. It's not a bad plot for a Today movie. No, it either. isn't. That's, uh... That was 1925, a film called Up the Ladder. And that was before video phone calls actually existed. Wow. Well, that's fascinating. All right, Bob. How heavy is the biggest natural pearl, clam pearl, ever found? Wow, that's right, because pearls are formed in inside those clams. Yeah. They, how big was it in terms of pounds? Um, just saying three pounds, that seems awful big. Yeah, it does. And this one was 75 pounds. 75 pounds? <laughs> Honestly, God, this was a Philippine fisherman in 2006. Wow. And uh, he, he didn't know uh, that it was worth a lot of money, like $100 million. Oh, my God. So what did he do? It's two feet long, mind you. Jeez. <laughs> He brought this thing up while he was fishing. And so he kept it under his bed for good luck for 10 years because oh. he had never seen anything like it. And then uh, he uh, brought it in somewhere and someone said, oh, that's worth a lot of money. Wow. <laughs> and they never tell his name because I'm sure he'd be besieged yeah. on the Philippines A Philippine there. fisherman. And yeah. it was 75 pounds. How did he bring it out of the water? Well, I don't know that either. Think about that. Okay. have to have, get a crane or something. But, uh, wow. Just uh, think of all the earrings you can yes. make out of that. Holy camoly. Okay. I've got a history question. What famous over-the-counter drug product is responsible for junk mail? What famous over-the-counter drug product is responsible for junk mail? Well, I'll try to think of some old product that's been around. It's and, still here. People it, yeah, still use it. Yeah, that's what I mean. It. And I'm, I'll just You're, say aspirin. You, no, I'll give you a hint. Thanks. Your mother probably rubbed it on your chest. Oh, Vicks Vapor Vicks Rub. Vicks Vapor Rub, yes. And the reason was a mass mailing campaign that Lunsford Richardson, its creator, developed. Richardson created Vicks Vapor Rub during a menthol craze that swept America following the introduction of Ben Gay Muscle Balm in 1898. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yes. He created advertisements with coupons that could be redeemed for a trial jar. Now, here's how they invented junk mail. He convinced the post office to let him do something unprecedented, address the coupons merely to an occupant <laughs> or box holder. Our best friend. Yes. Yeah. Rather than to the specific individuals living there. And thus, junk mail was, was born. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Wow. Okay, Bob. Yes. Who said we explore or we expire? We explore or we expire. And he lived up to that quote. Did he die? Nope. Oh, he's still alive? He is. Ah, I'll how, how clever that was to ask me that question. <laughs> I was thinking me. somebody like Carl Sagan or somebody like that. Yeah. But uh, no, who is it? It's Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin. He's still he's still going strong at age 90. And uh, a couple uh, things about old Buzz. He got his name from his sister who mispronounced brother as Buzzer. I heard that. <laughs> yes, Buzzer. 
<laughs> so they just stopped, started calling him Buzz, Buzz in the yeah, family. That's how he got his name. I, okay. Anyway, this guy's got a laundry list of accomplishments, including taking the first selfie in space before he moved, uh, walked on the moon. He uh, took a selfie in space in 1966 when he was tethered to the Gemini. Do you remember that picture? Yes. He's up there and floating around, scares you half to death. At 86, he was the oldest person to visit the North and South Poles, and he dived into the wreck of the Titanic. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, just all his life, he's always doing uh, accelerating things that you and I wouldn't dream of. And as an interesting aside, well, he was uh, right after Armstrong. He followed Armstrong onto the moon. They were both up there bouncing around. Right. Uh, And as an interesting aside, his mother's maiden name was Moon. That's right. I read that too. (laughs) No, I told you that once. No, I did read that recently. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that cute? You know, it's fascinating. Here we are again, Marsha. I have a Buzz Aldrin question for you oh, today. Come on. No, I do. Gee. So it's another fascinating fact about the Apollo 11 astronauts, first men on the moon. What did Buzz Aldrin have to make sure he didn't do just before he joined Neil Armstrong on the surface of the moon? What did Buzz Armstrong have to make sure he didn't do? Well, gee, well, there's a, give me, you have to narrow it Had down. Had something to do with the space capsule, or actually the lunar lander. Well, he had to put it in park. Well, I would imagine he would lived off. No, uh, it was it was all stationary. It had landed. Yeah, and Neil, but Neil, I know. Neil went out, and then Buzz was going to go up. But before he went break. out, he had to make sure he didn't I, do okay, something. Okay, tell me. He didn't pull the door shut because there's oh, no... Oh, <laughs> way to get in? Oh, my God in heaven. The designers did not put a door handle on the Eagle well, Lunar Module. No exterior door Stupid. handle. Stupid. So they could have been locked out, which would have been a disastrous. <gasps> they would and, have died in hours. And Mission Control couldn't have opened it. No, they? no way. Oh, see, well, that is a flaw. And again, if that sounds crude for a nation that was able to launch those men into space, always remember, NASA landed Apollo 11 on the moon with computers that had less processing power than your cell phone. Oh, a lot less. A lot less. It's amazing. little duct tape here and a little <laughs> aluminum foil there. Okay, let's talk food. Our anniversary is coming up, Bob. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking cheesecake. Okay. <laughs> it, in New York City, there's a restaurant called Restaurante Raffaele. Okay, Take a guess how much some cheesecake for dessert would set us back there, approximately. I imagine that's pretty expensive. It sounds raffiale. It sounds like it's a big, famous restaurant. So I would say, you know, maybe $100. Yeah, for, for a, some cheesecake? Yeah. Is that what you say? Well, how about $4,592? <laughs> What's in this cheesecake? Well, it's not just cheese. No, from Wisconsin. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> I happen to know the answer. Okay. It's comprised of buffalo ricotta, white truffles, Ground hazelnuts, velvet-like melted milk chocolate, wow. which could be just a Hershey bar, but two two hundred year old cognac. Oh my goodness, Mad- two hundred year old cognac. There's Mad- the price. Madagascar vanilla, gold leaf, literal gold leaf, gold leafing, and, f- and a fresh block of honeycomb. <laughs> it's really ugly to look at. It's not it's just a little round circle. I just want to know what buffalo ricotta is. I, I have no idea. Well, sounds exotic. Cheese from. Chi- uh, Cheese, ricotta like cheese buffalo from Buffalo. Wild Wings yeah. or Buffalo? <laughs> anyway, that's it. How much? $4,592. 200-year-old cognac? Yeah. Why would you have that in your cheesecake? <laughs> you should be drinking that after dinner. <laughs> Can I follow up? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, because that would cost so much. For dinner, we'll have to go for pizza, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> but if we just skip across town, do 
place called Industry Kitchen. This is in New York? In New York City, same place. How much would you pay for a little pizza pie? Wow. <laughs> All right, these prices. All right, so if you buy if a piece, this is cheesecake. Was, how much was that? Uh, 4592 Oh, man, that's too rich for me. Yeah, um, yeah. These are the most expensive prices in the world. Okay, And they're pizza. both in New York City. Pizza, I'd say, let's bring pizza. that down to only like a $500 dinner for pizza. Yeah, it does come down, but it's down to $2,700 oh, for a little pie. Oh, my goodness. The pie. And that's it, not carryout price, is it? I mean, you actually get <laughs> you to dine inside. That. The pie is called, it has a name, it's called the 24K. And that's because the crust of this international sensation is infused with Indian black squid ink sprinkled with Ecuadorian gold flakes. Here we go again with the gold in my food. Why would I have that in my food? It's toppings. And now that's just, that's the crust, right? Gold flakes. Gold in your crust. Yes. Apparently it's edible and has a cachet. I didn't know. I don't believe it's probably tasty, but what do I know? Or nutritious. It goes on my finger before it goes in my (laughs) mouth. It's toppings. It's this pizza topping includes Stilton. Uh, Stilton from uh, the UK. It's called Stilton Cheers. Oh, sorry. Its toppings featured Stilton cheese from the UK, okay. which is personally one of my favorite oh, things. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. French foie gras. French foie gras. And black truffles. Asatra and almas caviar from the Caspian Sea. And 24K gold leaf over the top. Again, Again. with the gold yeah, on the yeah. food. What the heck's this all and about? And just so you know, if, yeah, we got, yeah. if we're going to order one, you got to place it two days ahead because it takes some getting all those ingredients together. Instead of wanting to eat, these things want me to be on a diet where I save money. <laughs> 20, so if we had both those things, we're talking 4000 over $7,000 for pizza and a cheesecake. That's just <laughs> astounding. Uh, and uh, I'm amazed that this, the most expensive prices are for those two things anyway are in New York City. Oh yeah. Okay. All right, I'm going to go back to video calls again because you know we're still talking. Uh, you know we're doing Zoom calls. So, when did companies first begin testing audio video calls? Now this stuff that we're all taking for granted now on our laptops and desktops. When did companies begin testing calls? This is AT and T. It started it. Okay, 1935. No. Older than that, a hundred years ago. Really? In 1920s, in the AT&T labs, that's when AT&T began testing a technology called the Iconophone, like an icon, Iconophone, on local telephone lines in New York City. It had two-way audio and partial video. But when did it display its first video phone prototype in public? What year? (sighs) It was at a World's Fair. Okay. Uh, Was it the Chicago World's Fair? Yes. Really? Okay, it was 1932. <laughs> you okay. got it, on the nose. All right, now to go on from that, what World's Fair featured the first practical video phones? This is the one we remember. Uh, New York. New York. What year? I don't know. 1964. Okay. That's when they installed picture phone booths in Chicago, New York, and Washington so people could talk to each other at the fair. The video calls cost 16 to $27 a minute. How successful was it, Marsh? <laughs> Not too well. Really? In the first six months after the fair, big splash at the fair. I remember yeah. seeing it on TV. Uh-huh. A total of 71 people <gasps> tried. Really? They subscribed. Five years later, in 1969, three people paid to use it. 
And in 1970, no one paid to really? use it. Not one person thought a video call was worth it. Of course, the chicken and egg problem was... Yeah, you got to have someone to call that has it. Yeah. And nobody had it. That's very funny. All right, now, what's your question, Marsh? Jonathan is 187 years old. What? Who is he? He's a turtle. Oh, very good. Right? I just assumed it was He's a turtle. He's a tortoise. It's, and he is living in Africa in a place called Seychellois. Uh, this tortoise, Jonathan is called, is the oldest known living land animal. Wow. It's 187. How do you tell how old the tortoise is, I wonder? I don't think it's the rings you count. I was going to say, you don't cut them open. <laughs> cut their arm open and see how many rings are. I don't know how they know. All right. <laughs> going along with your food questions, all right, somewhat, how has... How has coffee culture influenced what astronomers are naming things? Any idea? I'm thinking, I'm thinking the coffee culture. Now, astronomers, like the rest of us, they sometimes have to drink coffee, a lot of coffee, to stay alert doing their jobs. Recently, they announced the name of something. Astronomers at John Hopkins University announced that the color of all the light in the universe is beige. They refer to the color of the universe not as beige, as but latte, cosmic latte. Yeah, okay. Cosmic latte. Yeah. All light in the universe is cosmic latte. Somebody's drinking too much coffee over there. Coffee houses. Did you know they were all the rage in uh, England, London, in the mid-1800s? But mostly it was the scientists and the cerebral types who liked to sit around in those places. Oh, really? The rich and all those people had their clubs, but every, the scientists... At uh, coffee houses. Yeah, they rejected the clubby That's because they were actually working that's, like the rest of that us. That is correct. Go, going we, back. Let's take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment with more uh, on uh, the off. Uh, Marsha, uh, Marsha, we're going to take. <laughs> Marsha, we're stopping now. We're going right. to take a break. We'll be back with more of the off-ramp in just a moment. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marsha Smith. Join us with more of the off-ramp in just a moment. All right, we're back. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob Smith. And Marsha Smith. All right, you've got a question there. You were just okay. dying to ask me, and I interrupted you. <laughs> and uh, let's go back to movies. Okay. Name the highest-grossing single animated movie of all time. The highest-grossing single animated movie to date. <clears throat> I think it's the uh, Frozen, isn't it? Oh. One of the Disney films? One or two. Well, I'll say Frozen 2. Excellent. Yes, it replaced Frozen was number one, and then Frozen 2 came out. So Frozen 1 was frozen in time. Frozen 2 came. Replaced it. And what did it Uh, it rake in? To date, it has made 1,324,788,000. Eight hundred and thirty-seven dollars. Now that that a billion dollars would have been the entire movie industry yeah. not that long yeah. ago yeah. in terms of income. Yeah, one movie. Yeah, and that's because of all the different again, ways it can be seen. Again, a Disney film. And just as an aside, mm-hmm. uh, Frozen One was also the first film with a female director to ever gross one billion dollars. Wow. Okay, I've got some more prices here that probably deterred people from using video call technology. I thought you might find this interesting. So they kept trying, AT&T did, back in the 70s. In Pittsburgh in 1972, uh, after a year and a half, again, dismal numbers, only eight households adopted it. They were willing... (laughs) To pay $160 a month, only eight households. That is amazing. They all called each other. Yeah, apparently. In Chicago, $75 a month, but only 46 homes kept one. So corporations were among the few that adopted the technology, and that was to help people attend meetings and meet with their colleagues without traveling and saving money. So now, when was the first 
commercially successful video conferencing product introduced, something you could buy. You mean like? For companies. Okay, 1972. 1982. Oh, okay. It was a company called Compression Labs. The price was $250,000 plus $1,000 an hour line rentals, which is a lot of money. But actually, corporations who bought it saved more than that in travel costs. You know, they set up rooms. Back in the early 90s, Rockwell did that when I was there. Uh And uh, we set up video conferencing rooms in Wisconsin, Ohio, and Michigan, where we had technology centers. And I had to write a brochure explaining what this technology was and how it worked. Do you remember the headline? How can you be in two places at once? You had to use that to explain to people, what's the oh, stuff? What I remember is this? that. Remember that? That was 92. And Rockwell kept using that service, which saved a lot of travel expense until uh, the technologies came online for laptops and, and phones. Anyway, okay, just couple. interesting how this technology we use today has been evolving and, and quickly over the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. couple quick uh, political questions. Okay. Why is political favoritism called pork barrel politics? Pork barrel politics. It must have something to do with agriculture. Well, uh, long before refrigeration, North American farmers kept supplies of salt pork stored in barrels, and the amount of meat on hand indicated the family's prosperity. More pork, more more money ahead. Okay. If the barrel was low on pork, it meant the possibility of disaster through mm. starvation. Mm-hmm. So when a politician sought and gained favoritism for his constituents, he was said to have filled the pork barrels of those who had elected him and thereby assure their reelection. That's amazing. Well, you know how we got to the political positions uh, as left and right? I think it was in France or somewhere where they had these big meetings and the politicians sat on certain sides and the conservatives were on the right and the liberals were on the left. Yeah. Yeah, only it goes back to King Louis the Sixteenth. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so it is in France. Though. It is in France. He was forced to convene a form of parliament for the first time in more than a century, over two hundred years ago. Okay. And at the assembly, the more radical delegates just happened to sit on the left side of him, while the conservatives sat on his right. And ever since, liberal views have been referred to as from the left, and conservative ideas from the right. Louis the Sixteenth. Now yeah. that was the one he lost his head. Indeed. In the French Revolution. <laughs> so we're talking going back to the 1790s for Yeah, that. yeah. Wow. And it just happens to be where... People sat. On that particular day. In yeah. the meeting. Okay. All right. Uh, let me see here. Uh, I got it. While you're looking for that, can I ask you a quick one? If you want to. Okay. I could ask how far do you your intestines stretch, but... Well, that's pretty far. <laughs> it is, actually. Okay. How far? Okay, I've got one. In, you're talking about food. Well, don't you want to ask me about the intestines? I thought that's what I mean. I'm, that's what I mean. The answer? I'm, okay. I'm, okay. Set it okay. up. Okay. Food question, kinda. Okay. Kinda. <laughs> Does it have gold in it? <laughs> it ha- no, no gold. It is about your digestion, though. Yes. How far can your intestines stretch? Well, pretty that's where all that food, including the gold, if you eat that stuff it's you pretty, talked about, is it, uh, d- it's it, a long way. Is it in feet or miles? Oh no, it's uh, it's in feet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've heard terms of miles too, but this yeah. does this statistic doesn't make have any that. Sense. No. I mean, you don't have a body big enough for miles. Well, there are some people. Anyway, I would say you could you could measure eighteen feet. You could measure it by length or surface area. One of the two. I'll say. 26 feet. 26 feet. Well, you're pretty close. That was good, Marsh. And intestines are pretty long. The small intestine stretches to about 20 feet. Okay. The large intestine only goes 5 feet. 
Together, they're 25 feet, so that's a long area. The surface area of your intestines could take up two entire tennis courts. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, If you had a myriad of choices, Bob... What is a myriad? Well, that's just the question. How many choices do you have? Oh, that is the question. There, Yeah. Myriad. Is it a thousand? Nope. I don't know. It's 10,000. Really? That's what a myriad means? Yeah. Since the 16th centuries, writers have used the adjective myriad to describe a large, unspecified, or overwhelming number. But based on its Greek root, one myriad is exactly 10,000. Huh. So when somebody says, I've got a myriad of ideas, it's they 10, are exaggerating. I, yeah. <laughs> Final questions on, on video calls, Marsh. Aren't, oh, aren't you oh, glad we're yeah. here? Yeah, all right. Who was the first celebrity to promote or inaugurate video conferencing? She was in the first real public video call. She Ooh. was the wife of a president. Was it Mrs. Carter? No, before that. Was it? Oh, yeah, now i got to go in It's order. a bird. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's a ladybird. Ladybird Johnson, yeah, <laughs> wife of uh, President Lyndon Johnson. So it was in 1964, and she inaugurated the picture phone service. So it was just before the World's Fair, uh, with a call from the White House to New York, and she spoke with the Big Apple's mayor at the time, Robert Wagner. All right, now, what was the first modern movie to feature a video call? We talked about the 1925 silent film, first time a video call was shown, this was in 1968. What movie was that? 60, famous science fiction film. 68. We all saw. We did? Famous movie. Famous uh, music, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. Oh, t- 2001. 2001, A Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick's film. It featured a space-to-earth video call using, again, an AT&T picture phone. Still hadn't been adopted. You know, they're trying to get this thing off the ground. And in the movie, the cost of the call was $1.70. Oh, really? Remember, oh. that movie had all kinds of brands were there. They were showing all these things branded in outer space. All right. That's funny. And then just one bad prediction. I gave you the good prediction in 1912. Someday people will see who they talk to. In 1969, Bell Labs executive Julius Molnar predicted that in the future, picture phone will be the primary mode by which people will be communicating with one another. When did he say that would happen? I'll say 86. No, the year was 2000. He thought it would be done. Uh, So 20 years ago, still hadn't taken off. When did it take off? Well, businesses like Skype started about 2003, but that's for business. COVID-19 was the first time regular people started adopting it because they, you know, had a need to see friends, relatives, and business associates. Zoom is the one that really came to be. And immediately, Zoom became a a verb, just like Google. Uh, Because of the recent events and all that, what streaming service surpassed its five-year goal of 73 million subscribers in 11 months? Okay, is it Disney? Disney Plus. There we go. Bet it was Hamilton that brought it in. That's right. But they had a five-year goal of 73 million subscribers, and they made it this year. Because of COVID. In 11 months. Disney Plus didn't even exist a year ago. I know. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap it up with something unique, Marsh. You have a quote or a thought or an interesting tidbit? A Buddhist quote, Bob. Ah. Time does not heal everything, but acceptance will heal everything. Very good. Yeah. Nice thought. It is a nice thought. Nice thought to go out on and helps us all steer clear of crazy, like we (laughs) like to say with this show. All right. That's it for today. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Thank you for listening to us and join us again next time for The Off-Ramp. 
The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio and the Cedarburg Public Library, Cedarburg, Wisconsin.